everyone, Alana here, and it's been a lot of fun making this podcast. I get to talk about what I love, meet some really cool people doing it, and I have total creative freedom. Are you interested in making your own podcast? Go for it, and go for it with Anchor. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more platforms. There's even creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And best of all, it's free. So what are you waiting for? Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. everyone, and welcome to Girl Presses Play, the movie podcast where we talk about films, what we think about them, and what makes them so damn great. I'm your host, Alana Rafferty. Get comfy, grab some popcorn, and get ready, because we're about to press play. And now for our feature presentation. Hi, everybody, and welcome to our penultimate episode of this season of Girl Presses Play. Um... It's pretty crazy to think that we're already almost done with this first season, but I will hint a little bit that we've already got some fun stuff planned for season two, so thank you so much for sticking around for this whole first season. So, for today's episode, we all know and love the big famous Hollywood classics like Casablanca, Die Hard, Forrest Gump, the Charlie Chaplin films. They're all pretty well-known and beloved around the world. But there is another titan of filmmaking that not only makes more films by the numbers than Hollywood, but it actually makes more money than Hollywood. It started in what was Bombay, and as of 2016, grossed over 5 billion US dollars in profit. It's big, it's beautiful, it's Bollywood. So today, we are going to celebrate all things Bollywood, Bollywood culture, Bollywood films, and we are going to be bringing in Samarpita Dutta of Bollybrit.com to talk about some of those aspects of Bollywood film and culture. And we're also going to talk about how Bollywood isn't just important to India, but to moviegoers of all walks of life. And just a quick note for our listeners, we'll be specifically talking about Bollywood, not just general Indian cinema, which includes Tollywood, Indian New Wave, and the myriad of other Hindi language cinema offerings. If you would like to take a look at some Indian cinema, we highly recommend taking a look at the films of Satyajit Ray, Marinal Sen, Hansel Mehta, Mira Nair, and Zoya Akhtar. And with that, let's buckle up and get ready, because on this episode of Girl Presses Play, we're taking a trip to Bollywood.
she's been writing for Bali Brit for the last three years after connecting on Twitter with its founder, Jay Momtora. Her articles focus on everything from ageism in Bollywood to the onslaught of remixes in its music, as well as the regular Star of the Month column. All the way from New Zealand, Girl Presses Play welcomes Samarpita Datta to the show. Thank you so much for coming on virtually, I should say. <laughs> Thank you for having me, and it's great to be on your show. Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, how are you doing? How's quarantine been? I know that's been a huge change in everyone's lives. I'm sure yours as well. Oh, definitely. I think we've all reevaluated how we live based on what's been happening globally. And I have to say, New Zealand is one of the very few lucky countries where we have only had lockdown for a few weeks compared to, of course, other countries like the States and the UK. And um, yeah, we're mostly out of lockdown now and life is as normal as it can be, I guess. So um, yeah, but things are still very strange. You know, I mean, it's every, you hear about someone being affected by the global virus <laughs> every other day. So yeah. Yeah, I'm going to knock on lots of wood right now for you and everyone in New <laughs> yeah. Zealand. Let's do that. I want some normalcy somewhere in some part of the world. <laughs> yeah. So I would love to know, how did you first get interested in Bollywood films? And how did you come to love Bollywood films? Well, I mean, I am Indian, so I grew up with it. Um, so my first memories of even watching any film were watching a Hindi film. Um, growing up in India in the 90s, uh, you kind of just sort of automatically got into it. Um, it was the thing that you would see on TV everywhere around you because at the 90s, especially the early 90s, was a bit of a transitional period for India, but it hadn't been touched by Western media yet. So Hollywood films were very, uh, they hadn't made much of an ingress culturally so Hindi films, or let's just say Indian films, depending on which region of India you're from, but obviously like Bollywood is the premier industry that most people know. Um, so Bollywood was just everywhere and everybody watched Hindi films and listened to Hindi film songs. And it was, so, yeah, it was kind of not, you know, it's like, it's very hard to not be exposed to it, basically. <laughs> and then, of course, like as a child, you know, you start seeing certain actors or actresses and you really start liking them. So you watch more of their films. And then as time goes on, you just develop this interest and it stays with you. Fascinating. And if you had, I like to call them desert island movies, like the five to 10, if you are going to go live on a desert island for the rest of your life, oh. you have to bring these films with you. If you have any like desert island Bollywood films, which ones would they be? Oh, of course. Yeah. Um, okay. So there's one which is like a really cute rom-com about two wedding planners who kind of, you know, it's like very typically a rom-com. So they fall in love without meaning to. Um, and it's called, <laughs> <Yeah>. Band. <laughs> uh, it's called Band Baja Bharat and it's got Ranveer Singh. I'm not sure if you know him. Um, I know and, him from uh, a lot of the Bansali films. So like Baji Ramastani, yes. Ramli. Yes, yes. Same actor. This was his debut film, actually. Okay. Um, yeah, so it's got him and Anushka Sharma. She is also an actress who's done, um, she hasn't done Bansali films, but she's, pro she's a prolific actress in her own right. This was maybe her second film or something. Like she, This is also when she was first starting out because this movie is from 2010. Um, so yeah, there's Band Baja Bharat, and then there's, you know what, when when I actually have to think about it, I can't name any, but uh, there's, I'm sure like 
five minutes later I'll remember something while we're talking about something else. But there's a there's a lot of films that I'm very sentimentally attached to, even though maybe from you know a filmmaking perspective they're not the best. But it's because it it sort of brings back a certain portion of your childhood or something. Mm. So there's a Kuch Kuch Hota Hai that released in 1998 and it's got Shah Rukh Khan, who's one of the biggest superstars in um, Hindi cinema and it's got Kajol and Rani Mukherjee and then there's um, because that was the the film really that kind of started this trend of very western looking films which were catered to the overseas Indian audience Um, so it was a it was very iconic in its own right and then there's Dilwale Dilhaniya Le Jayenge or DDLJ as it's called which you know does not hold up in certain aspects 20 years on or maybe 25 years on but it's still again one of those big films which which was shot in Europe which was a big deal for Hindi cinema at the time and uh, that's also what Shah Rukh Khan and Kajol and their pairing is one of the most I guess you could say well-known and iconic ones of its time so yeah I guess those three and maybe a few more which will eventually come to me (laughs) But yeah, <laughs> that's actually something very interesting that I found as I started getting more into Bollywood is how not just the actor themselves, but the pairing seemed to be the big draw of the mm. film. So like the Dilhenia series with Varun Dhawan and Alia Bhatt, like yes. the fact that they're in a movie together as love interest seemed to be the driving force to a kind of sort of sequel because it doesn't actually follow the plot yeah. of the first one, but it's just the yeah. fact that they're falling in love together again. I thought that was really yeah. interesting. Yeah, so that's quite an interesting thing because you don't see that so much in maybe Hollywood. But um, in India, like a hit pair, as they call them, um, essentially a pair that has had a few hits together or have great chemistry, they're a jori, basically. A jori means a pair. And um, so they call them a hit jori. And so you have iconic ones like Shah Rukh Khan and Kajol, like I mentioned. Then there's Ranveer Singh and his wife, mm-hmm. Deepika Padukone. Yeah, she was in Bajirao Mastani as well as, uh, well, no, she didn't star opposite him, but she was in Padmavat as well. Mm-hmm. And then, then there's Deepika Padukone with Ranbir Kapoor, who is another actor. And people like their pairing a lot as well. They've done quite a few films together. And then, I mean, if you go back all the way through the history of Hindi film cinema, there have been many from, you know, the black and white era as well, like Raj Kapoor and Nargis. And um, then if you go into like the 70s, there's Amitabh Bachchan with with various actresses uh, like Rekha and uh, Zina Taman and a whole bunch of other people. So there's that that whole thing of like a pair is sometimes the only thing that sometimes sells a film as well. You know, I mean, some people just go to cinemas to just see the pairing on screen because they like them so much. So on a certain level, I think there's a little bit of projection there as well. You know, like people want to see the sort of ideal couple on screen as well. And they project that onto the couple they are watching on the screen. So yeah, there's a little bit of that. And um, yeah, Hindi films are just promoted on a different level, I think. (laughs) Yeah, it's so interesting because I was thinking about this today. It almost seems like, and this is a weird comparison because it's a different medium of art, but the way that K-pop really tries to appeal to like a very broad audience and not still be inherently Korean, but there's a lot of Western influence. It almost seems Mm. like some of the more recent Hindi films I've seen, there really isn't a lot of trying to appeal to a Western audience or a non-Indian audience, which 
I actually really appreciate, like I like when I see one of the Dolhenia films and I see some sort of cultural aspect that I'm not familiar with. Or a great example is my boyfriend and I saw Shub Mangal's Yadasavdan and the whole ceremony where they like give a funeral for the son that's alive. So the old (laughs) identity that they associate with him being gay dies so he can go on and marry this other girl that he's been promised to. I thought that was really interesting, but I liked how it was very inherently Indian, it seemed, if Mm. that makes sense. Yeah, that's the thing about um, Hindi films as a whole. And I guess you could apply that to other Indian cinema as well, like Bengali cinema and uh, South Indian cinema. They have always been made for an Indian audience because you have to, when Hindi films started out as an industry, we're talking, you know, the 30s and 40s. At that time, there was, apart from being a part of the British Empire up until 1947, there was very little outside influence on India. So, you know, Indian Indian films are very much focused on Indian culture, Indian sensitivities and sensibilities on screen. And the underlying aspect, I would say, of Indian films is that at the end of the day, um, since they're primarily made for an Indian audience, they always have to take into account Indian sensibilities, Indian sensitivities, Indian culture, Indian even um, cultural norms as well. And they have to I don't know if I can express myself properly in, about this, but they basically have to always, there's a certain line that needs to be towed mm. um, as to how far they can go or how much they can push the envelope or, you know, how they can push boundaries. And um, at the end of the day, it's not, I mean, apart from a few people I've met who are not Indian, and when I say not Indian, I'm actually referring to not South Asian because Hindi films are watched a lot by, you know, Bangladeshis and Pakistanis mm-hmm. and Sri Lankans. And there's a huge cultural influence among within South Asia there. Um, it's still primarily made for a South Asian audience. And they're not really, apart from a few outsiders I've seen who have, you know, maybe taken interest in it, they're not very well known outside of that sphere so much. But it's just that the sphere happens to be more than a billion people. Exactly. (laughs) So when you say it's a small sphere, you're talking about a sphere that's a billion people. But yeah, so at the end of the day, because it's sort of made for that audience, you always have to portray cultural aspects of that audience. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's why they always keep those sorts of um, sensibilities intact, I guess you could say. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense because it also seemed like there's no new story under the sun. So, of course, there's going to be stories told in Hollywood and yeah. like the Western world that will cross over <laughs> to the South Asian yeah. cinema, like Bollywood. But it does seem like they have a very particular way of using the Hollywood tropes in Bollywood. So, like, yes, the hero always gets the heroine but how they end up showing Mm. that on screen, it seems very inherently part of Indian culture, South Asian culture. Yeah, because I mean, just things like, for example, you know, India as a country is quite conservative in some ways, as are Indian people, I would say. And so up until maybe 10 years ago, kissing on screen was a big no-no. So when you talk about, you know, the, the hero always getting together with the heroine in the end, you would, in a normal Hollywood film, they would kiss on screen. Whereas 
even 10 years ago, I remember kissing on screen was such a big deal. You know, there was like a, a big thing made out of it. You know, they would just be like, ooh, so-and-so kissed in the movie. And then, I mean, I distinctly remember feeling uncomfortable watching that scene with my parents <laughs> because <laughs> it's just not something that you would see on screen. And to watch that with your parents, you know, it was considered just a big, and to this date, even though, you know, I'm in my 30s. I still cannot watch those things with my parents. <laughs> they kissed. <laughs> yeah, they kissed. Well, for God's sake. <laughs> so, yeah, in that, in that sense, like the, like I said, with, they have to keep Indian sensibilities in mind when they're showing these sorts of things. So it's um, a lot of aspects that come into play where, you know, you have to consider the audience's, um, I guess, ability to be able to stomach a lot of things, I guess, if, if I put it down to that sort of base level. So yeah, just simple things like the hero and the heroine dating or something, you know, they can't show it in the same way that they'd be able to show it in maybe other world cinema. They have to show it in a more sort of chaste way, I guess you could say. So yeah, it's like that. I feel like I've seen this in a couple of different rom-coms. The hero and the mm. heroine get really close and then she pushes him away super mm. playfully. I feel like every other like title track or like closing number has had the like, are they going to kiss? Are they going to kiss? And then she pushes him away like, <laughs> yeah. nah, that's not going to happen. Yeah. And the thing is, you know, like um, it also boils down to the star system that Hindi films have as well, because sometimes you have these actresses or these actors who are not comfortable doing kissing scenes because they may have family their own family that are watching the film whom they probably feel embarrassed to show that scene to so there's a lot of those things that come into it as well and there's also this thing about respectability right so indian culture is a lot about respectability and maintaining this sort of i guess you could say this um not facade per se but it's more of just a veneer of, you know, I am a respectable person. And to show things like kissing is not considered respectable. PDA is not acceptable in India. Mm. So you wouldn't, I mean, if you wouldn't see it on the streets, then you wouldn't want to see it so much on screen. Even though like nowadays it's becoming more and more the norm. But um, it's slowly transitioning into a more, I would say, relaxed uh, sort of environment, but it's still considered a big, you know, like, ooh, okay. <laughs> yeah. And it's yeah. so interesting when you think about how I think pretty much any culture, especially now that we're all in quarantine and we're spending our lives in front of our screens, when you mm -hmm. think about how much the media that people consume affects the norms, it almost seems like there's this yeah. kind of very entangled relationship with the Indian public or the Indian media consumer and what they watch and what mm -hmm. both of them think is okay for each other. Yeah, there's definitely that as well. I I definitely think in India, at least, Indian cinema, especially Hindi cinema, is extremely influential because for decades, up until maybe, again, like 10, 15 years ago, Indian cinema was the main medium of pop culture. The Hindi music industry as a whole evolved initially as a satellite industry of Hindi cinema. Wow. And 
Yeah, so most Hindi music that came out, maybe in the, and oh, this is obviously before my time, I wasn't even born then, but in the 60s and 70s, there were very few independent bands and artists. And again, if someone has information on the contrary, you know, feel free to correct me. <laughs> but the major aspect of music in India at the time was film music. So, you know, films and music are very intertwined. Obviously, as you know, Hindi films are all musicals, as you would call them. And so music is a very important aspect of Hindi films. But at the same time, like Hindi films and music, which go hand in hand, have been the main cultural force in India for, for decades, as long as the film industry has been around for. And it's only now because you've had a recent surge in streaming platforms like Netflix and and Amazon Prime and uh, whatever have you. Now there's like hundreds of them, but um, and they're all making their own shows. Yeah. So now there's like a recent shift towards other media making, you know, content. But previously it was just Hindi films. Um, and obviously if you go to other parts of India, you have local cinema like Bengali cinema, etc., which are all influential in their own right. But mm-hmm. yeah, so what is shown in Hindi films has a very big impact on Indian culture as a whole. Really, it's very interesting. Do you think the fact that Indian cinema is so influential on the Mm -hmm. Indian cinema audience, do you think that's a gift or a curse? Because I feel the same way like with Hollywood, there's definitely some issues with the Hollywood system that are way too prevalent, not just behind the scenes, but on screen that have Mm. influenced the people that have watched it. I don't know if you feel the same way about Bollywood and Indian cinema. Definitely. I mean, it's a blessing and it's a curse because I feel like, for example, uh, India is a developing country. So there are a lot of um, societal, I guess you could say, issues and things that are going on in the country where if films sort of address those issues, then there would be a force for change. At the same time, because India as a society is very patriarchal, um, there are a lot of things that they show with regards to women, which, which you would think are regressive, which definitely need to be addressed, which as an example, you know, um, women being objectified, it was a problem and it's still a problem because there are a lot of um, films now which have what they call an item song, which is basically um, a song where this woman who is unrelated to the narrative or <laughs> unrelated to the story shows up and she does a bit of a dance number. And the song is essentially to show off the woman as being this hot, sexy, you know, kind of Mm -hmm. attractive woman. And it objectifies women. And often the lyrics themselves are quite, you know, they objectify women as well. And those lyrics are the sorts of things that would make you go, wow, okay, they really said that. Which, again, you know, we are in 2020, we're in like a Me Too era, where we're more aware of these things. But back when these things were happening, people didn't really think they were aggressive or think they were derogatory towards Mm -hmm. women. And so people just used to think that that was okay. And maybe they would like play that song or refer to women in that way. Now that things are changing, people are realizing that these things are maybe not right. And you do have people from the industry, um, some certain influential producers like Karan Johar, who has said in interviews that, you know, he has realized that a lot of the songs that have come in his previous films have maybe not been very kind towards women. And so he has, you know, he's kind of said, like, maybe I won't have those sorts of songs from now on. And so, you know, that is a change for good. But the fact that they are able to influence people to that extent tells you how much of a weight, it's a massive weight on their shoulders at the same time. 
So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting because it also seems like there's a little more, and I don't want to say Bollywood is catching up to Hollywood because Hollywood <laughs> shouldn't just be the precedent, if that makes sense. But yeah. I am noticing a lot of things such as, you know, female actor producers, like Deepika Padukone is producing the movie about the acid burn victim and Priyanka Chopra Jonas produced this guy is pink recently and starred in it. So I am, from my perspective, I am seeing a little bit of that change starting to happen, like more women behind the camera and different stories being told. Yeah, definitely. And um, it's kind of, it's a slow process. I mean, I think we can agree that even if it were in a different country, it's just that that whole process of women really getting to where they need to be takes decades sometimes. And so you need like specific women along the way that help, mm-hmm. you know, make that process happen. And I still remember in a time when having a female director was unheard of, you know, in Bollywood, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just something that you wouldn't ever see. And then, you know, in the 2000s, you started seeing like women directing films. And then, then it was like, whoa, wow, there are women directing films now. And then women started producing films as well from the 2000s on. But that was, I would say, few and far between. But now it's come to a point where you have um, certain women that are quite influential as producers as well. Like, I'm not sure if you know Ekta Kapoor, but she is a daughter of another actor who was quite active in the 60s and 70s. Yeah, the Kapoor family's a big acting family, if yeah, I'm correct. Yeah, like yeah. a Neil Kapoor oh, yeah. and... Oh, yeah, yeah, but uh, she is a different Kapoor. Ah, totally. <laughs> She's my bad. <laughs> to both they all have the same surname. But um, no, so she started off her career by producing what they call telefilms in India. So those are basically like TV dramas. Mm-hmm. And so she's produced a lot of TV dramas. Like we're talking daytime soaps and that sort of mm-hmm. um, thing. And so she became very influential in that in that sphere of TV production. And then she slowly started moving her sites to other platforms. Like she's produced a few movies. So she has a production house and she produces movies. And now she has her own streaming platform, I think, and produces shows for that streaming platform. So she's, you know, like these sorts of people, some of them may not even be actresses, but they they are definitely, um, you know, uh, making their mark. And then, of course, um, when you have actresses coming into it, then it's then it's even more, I, I guess you would say, publicized because, you know, this is a famous actress who, who everybody knows because she's in front of the camera. And so when they start producing films, mm-hmm. then it, it becomes more well-known. And I think also, it's also um, kind of, talks to a shift in the industry when some of these women who are now well into their 30s are still active and acting and are also, you know, kind of diversifying their interests and going into um, production and maybe some other aspect of filmmaking. Because previously in the industry, you'd have women who would basically, you know, live out their 20s as their time in the sun and then sort of get married in their late 20s or early 30s or something and then kind of just stop acting and kind of almost become obscure. Fascinating. Because I guess like in Hollywood, it's a little more of, you just become the mom and everything. That's what oh, happens yeah, yeah, after yeah. your 20s. But yeah. And you actually wrote a really great article about how in 2018, it's now okay for women to get married and basically have careers. I know you referenced Priyanka Chopra and her oh, yeah. marriage to Nick yeah. Jonas. And clearly she still has a very thriving career. And same with Deepika Padukone after marrying Ram Veer Singh. Like they very much have 
thriving careers that have not been pushed to the side just to be wives yeah. for the rest of their lives. Yeah. yeah, because the thing is, there used to be a time when if a woman got, ma- well, sorry, if an actress got married, that was the end of her career. And that was just, you know, basically um, another aspect of the underlying cultural belief that when a woman gets married, her role in life becomes different and she's meant to be a homemaker and, mm-hmm. you know, have, take care of the family and that kind of belief. And so that was just stemming on from that, basically. So when actresses used to get married, like, for example, there was a very famous actress who passed away a few years ago called Sri Devi, who was mm-hmm. the biggest mm-hmm. star of her time. You know, Sri Devi, yeah. uh, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. So when Sri Devi got married in the late 90s, that was considered, it was very shocking because she was in the, at the peak of her time. You know, she was really a, a huge star. She was having a lot of hits. And, and so then when she got married, people are like, wow, that's it. You know, she's done. <laughs> Pack up, kind of. And she did. She did stop doing films, not because of... Uh, the fact that films stopped coming to her because she was such a big star that films would have come to her regardless. Mm -hmm. But because um, she decided to start a family and so she had her first daughter and uh, she decided not to do any more films. But now you do have other actresses like Priyanka Chopra who got married, but, you know, apart from The Sky is Pink, she's also produced or executive produced, I believe, The White Tiger, which Mm -hmm. uh, is now streaming on Netflix. She's also, she also announced she's got a book coming out Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, she wrote her memoirs and they're coming out soon. I think it's releasing early next year. Interesting. Yeah. And she's got the Matrix 4 coming out, I believe, yeah, in 2021. And, and she's, yeah, and she's got that superhero film. I forgot the name. We Can Be um, Heroes, yeah. The kids, we Can the Be Robert Heroes. Rodriguez film. Yeah, and then she signed a first look deal with, uh, I'm going to say Amazon Prime. I can't remember, but with a streaming platform mm-hmm. or something. So, yeah, she's she's very busy. She's booked and busy. And then you have Deepika Padukone, who uh, produced Chapak, which was about acid attack survivors. And she's also announced two other films. And so she's continuing to act. And um, then you have Sonam Kapoor, who also got... So all of these actresses, by the way, they're like, you know, Deepika Padukone, Sonam Kapoor, Priyanka Chopra. And there was uh, Anushka Sharma got married just the year before Mm -hmm. in 2017. And so she, we can kind of lump her in because she got married in December 2017 and these guys got married in <laughs> 2018. So we can kind close of enough. like, I think, yeah, close enough. So, um, yeah, so no, Anushka Sharma's produced a TV series since then. You know, she's got like scripts and production. And so she is very much behind the camera as well. So you have Anushka Sharma who's making films and and movies for TV. Well, when I say for TV, I mean for streaming platforms. Mm -hmm. And Deepika, who's producing films and is starring in a few more. And and Priyanka Chopra, who's kind of really diversifying there and, you know, doing TV as well as like films and all of them for streaming platforms or for release. And and, um, so they're all, I would say, thriving and hats off to them. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. One thing Mm -hmm. I find very interesting is the fact that regardless of talent, I should say, because I think she's wonderful, but Priyanka Chopra, now Priyanka Chopra Jonas, has had such crossover success in the U.S. market. Is Mm -hmm. she an exception to Bollywood stars? Or do you think she's more of a start of a trend of more Bollywood stars, like an Ali Abad or Varun Darwan or Ranbir Mm. Singh, trying to find success in the Western market? Because I find it very Um, interesting that it doesn't seem like, it seems like you can have such success in Bollywood that you wouldn't need to try to get success 
in yeah. Hollywood as well. Yeah. Well, I think Priyanka is quite a maverick in the sense that she left. I mean, I don't think it's fair to use the word left because she's still done Hindi films and very much maintains her connections with the Hindi film industry mm-hmm. after moving to the States. But she definitely decided to try Hollywood at a time when she was doing very well for herself in Bollywood. And I think it's more, like you said, like so many of them do so well in the Hindi film industry that they don't necessarily need to try and see how things go in Hollywood as well. Mm. Um, I mean, you have had people like Deepika Padukone, who's done a triple X film with Vin Diesel. I don't want to say XXX because that sounds wrong. <laughs> no one says XXX. It's triple X. I know. You know, it's triple X. That's just how right, I like it's it. not the title triple X. It's literally just XXX. <laughs> it is, but Why? if you say it that way, it sounds so wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so no, she's done Triple X with Vin Diesel, and I believe she is going to do this, uh, the sequel to that one as well, which hasn't been confirmed yet, but it's rumored that she is. But it's not like, it's not for a want of trying. I think they just genuinely have it so good in India that they don't necessarily want to go because you go from being what I would say an A-lister in Bollywood to maybe being an unknown in Hollywood. And that's, mm. uh, I would say, for people that are used to, and you have to look at the star system because the star system is way more hierarchical, I think, in, in Bollywood, where these people are used to a certain amount of status and privilege and, and I guess, um, entitlement. <laughs> and then you go from that to people not knowing who you are in Hollywood. And I imagine that for most performers who have a little bit of ego, that that would hurt. <laughs> so, so I think Priyanka is very much I think she is more the exception having said that I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing for them to try their hand at Hollywood you have had um, Sonam Kapoor who signed with UTA mm-hmm. and but that was a few years ago uh, but yeah she did try she signed with UTA and of course Deepika I think she also she tried to sign with the talent agency in Hollywood as well so it's not from a lack of trying and then you've had Amitabh Bachchan who's done a bit role in um i am forgetting the remember yeah he was in the great great gatsby and but i think the general attitude is and uh this is something that shahrukh khan said in an interview and i'm paraphrasing here so this is not his exact quote he said i'd rather be the king of hell than be a beggar in heaven so that very (laughs) much tells you (laughs) that very much tells you about the attitude that they have which is you know i've got it so good here why would i want to bother well it's interesting too because mentioning Amitabha Bachchan in The Great Gatsby, I think one of the reasons that happened is because Baz Luhrmann is a lover of Hindi film. Bollywood, yeah. He kind of tried to do a Western version of a Bollywood film with Moulin Rouge. And obviously if he casts Amitabha Bachchan in a film, he knows who he is. Um, Yeah. So it is interesting to see with certain filmmakers, and I know Martin Scorsese is a huge fan of Satyajit Ray, it's interesting to see where the tendrils of influence from Indian cinema get into Western cinema. Yeah, I definitely think certain things like, for example, I haven't watched La La Land, but a lot of Mm. the commentary that most people had about it was, wow, this is like a Hindi musical. (laughs) And um, it just struck me that musicals are also uh, are not a completely unknown genre in Hollywood but they're not very um 
they're not common nowadays. I mean, you hardly see a musical. I mean, when you do, there's a big deal that's made about it as well. But yeah, no, there is a strain of influence as well, I feel, that Hindi films do have on, I guess you could say, Hollywood filmmakers. Because I think a lot of filmmakers, they do watch world cinema to try and see globally how filmmaking is done. And so there is, like you said, tendrils of influence that you do see. And of course, Satyajit Rai was one of India's most prolific filmmakers who has won several awards for his films. I, and I mean several international awards mm-hmm, for probably. his films. So he is more likely to be well-known than other filmmakers as well. From India, I mean. And so I, I think there is maybe a tiny little bit of influence there, which is, which is great. So, yeah. <laughs> Where do you see Bollywood going in the next 20 years feels like a very long time right now. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm having a hard <laughs> yeah. time thinking about next yeah. Tuesday. So yeah. we'll phrase it as, where do you see Bollywood going in the next 10 years? So in the next 10 years, I think the next few years will be more catch up, I think, considering the hit the industry has taken mm-hmm. just in the past 12 months with the coronavirus, with, uh, with business being hit so hard. At this point in time, it's unknown if um, theaters will open back up fully yet in India. So there's a lot of business that's going to be affected. And so there are films in the pipeline uh, that were supposed to have released, which haven't released. And so they've had to release them directly to streaming. And that has given, I think, particularly in the last six months, streaming's just shot up. Skyrocketed, absolutely. It's just skyrocketed. And so you have people that will maybe make more films just for streaming. And um, I do see that trend coming along as well now. You have Netflix and you have Amazon Prime directly financing films and producing and, you know, asking a production house to make films just for streaming. And those have those become exclusives to that streaming platform as well. And so in the next, I think definitely in the next few years, there'll be catch up. They'll want to regain that foothold that they lost over the, you know, from theater goers. Um, of course, that's depending on, how the virus plays out as well. Knocking on lots of wood. <laughs> lots and yeah, lots of wood. Lots and lots of wood. Um, but yeah, so that depends on how the virus plays out as well. And so maybe the next few years will be occupied with just that. But I think that in terms of Indian cinema as a whole, I think there's a certain, and this is my personal opinion, but I do feel that films were going in a more jingoistic sort of tone. In the last few years, especially, there have been some very, like, sort of, uh, there have been a lot of films that have sort of tried to bring um, nationalism in and, you know, that sort of stuff. And I think that might become more the norm. Um, There are also films in in the last, again, five years or so that have focused a lot more on rural India. So as opposed to, you know, films from maybe the mid 2000s and from, sorry, from the mid 90s on to the mid 2000s, a lot of them focused on urban India. And a lot of them focused on what you call NRIs or non-resident Indians, basically Indians who live in overseas countries like the US or the UK. A lot of films are catered towards that audience. And I've seen the shift away from films that focus on urban India and NRIs towards people that live in small town India, towards people that live in rural India. And so the stories and um, are set in those sorts of small towns and stuff. And I think then in the next few years, 
Bollywood will tire of that maybe and move on to <laughs> move back into the into the urban India sphere. So I definitely think in the next 10 years there's going to be a shift in the sort of storytelling that we see along with what we were talking about, you know, more women producing films as well as more actresses producing films. I think we are going to see more maybe story centered around women and more I would say and you must know this from having you know such an interest in um, films of how like you know women that are written better <laughs> yep <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure you know all about that like how terribly some women are written by men and, oh, um, do I? <laughs> <laughs> and so i hope that we see a shift of women being written better by women <laughs> and or maybe hopefully by men too so i do see the industry progressing in that direction yeah amazing and uh, granted shumangal's yadis avdan had the not great luck of releasing in at least U.S. theaters like right before everything goes <laughs> down for the pandemic. Do you see yeah. more LGBTQ stories happening or non-traditional love stories or romantic comedies in that way happening? You know, Shubhmangal's Yada Savdhan was one of another, that was one of two films that released recently which focused on LGBT stories. The other was Iglarki Ko Dekha To Aisa Laga, which starred Sonam Kapoor who, um, you know, she did this film again after she got married. So there you go, like another mm -hmm. actress thriving after getting married. But um, she is Anil Kapoor's daughter. And they played father and daughter together for the first time on screen. Aww. And yeah, it was really cute. <laughs> for American audiences, if you've seen Slumdog Millionaire, the host of the game show is Anil Kapoor. Yeah, that's Anil Kapoor. And he is... Um, you know, he's a great actor and he's been around for a yeah, very long great. time. We're talking, yeah, we're talking someone who's been acting for about 35 years or, or even more, <laughs> even Oof. longer. So, yeah. And that film centered around Sonam being lesbian and her, you know, having a girlfriend. And the story centered around her family's acceptance of her homosexuality. And it was handled, I would say, again, like I mentioned, the Indian audience is quite conservative. so. You know, it, you can't be in your face about these sorts of things. You have to sort of mellow it down. Mm -hmm. And so that was a very mellowed down love story about um, a couple of women who are in love. And um, sorry, not a couple of women, a couple who are in love who happen to be women. <laughs> and because uh, a couple of women sounds like, you know, a bunch it's of a, women. It's a group love fest. No, a couple uh, who are in love who are women. And so um, I think the film was handled very, very sensitively. So I think, and you know, the movie didn't do well financially, but it was well received, I would say, you know, in terms of the, what the critics thought of the film. Mm -hmm. So I, I definitely think that, you know, we will see more of these films. But again, it's a lot of tippy-toeing, essentially, you know, mm -hmm. like it's um, baby steps almost. Well, the thing is, I hope there are more films like that because, yeah, those things, those aspects of love do need to be shown. So, yeah. One more question. Where shall oh, yeah. the lovely folks who want to know more about you follow you on social media? <laughs> sure. Um, so I write for Bolly Brit, which is at Bolly Brit. And my personal account on Twitter is at Lipstick Patrol. And that's patrol with, a, with an A. Samarpita, thank you so much for joining us. This has been a wonderful conversation. And I cannot wait to see your next article on BollyBrit.com.
Oh, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed talking to you. And that, my friends, was awesome, entertaining, and educational. All the good things at once. Thanks again to Summer Pita for stopping by. I certainly learned a lot about Bollywood, especially how intertwined South Asian culture and its main medium of entertainment is. It's also interesting, because I was thinking about this during the interview, how similar... Bollywood is to animation and that it's a medium that really became its own genre in a lot of ways. It has its own conventions. It has its own visual style. They're both musicals usually. Um, But yeah, it's interesting to see how two very different things within the movie world can be very, very similar. And of course, before I forget, thank you all for listening. If you want to start watching Bollywood and Hindi films, but don't know where to start, leave us a comment or message on our social media pages. I've got some great suggestions for all kinds of movies and all kinds of moviegoers. So we will see you next week for our season finale. Crazy to think that we're already saying season finale at this point. But until then, stay safe and keep watching movies. See you next time. Ye dosti hum nahi todenge todenge dam magar tera saath na Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to check back every Tuesday for new episodes and be sure to check us out on our Patreon page where you can support the show and get some really cool exclusive stuff for doing it. A very special thanks to our Patreon supporters, John F., Variolo Fencing, LLC, and Helen Rafferty. For news on upcoming episodes, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Girl Presses Play. The show is written, produced, and hosted by Alana Rafferty. Intro music is composed by Asha Iwanowitz, and our logo design is by Mark Sauve. Thanks again. See you next time. Girl, press play.